Hey, Kansas City. You're listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios. On this winter holiday episode... All that you smell is this amazing cinnamon aroma. Kansas City has a serious thing for cinnamon rolls. But, like, not just at Christmas time, all year round. And the big trick is getting the topping on right. Growing up in Kansas City in the 1980s, I ate my fair share of conventional cinnamon rolls. You know the kind, with a pinwheel shape and a gooey center drenched in sticky frosting that pools in every crack and crevice. But the cinnamon roll that spoke to me most was the one they served at Stroud's, where baskets of buttery dinner rolls covered in cinnamon sugar glaze arrived at the table with every meal. They accompanied fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and green beans, making my formative cinnamon roll more savory side dish than standalone treat. And this isn't just a personal fixation. To this day, the Stroud cinnamon roll is an iconic Kansas City delicacy. Cinnamon rolls, though, do not get top billing as part of Kansas City's food lore. In fact, they rarely enter into that conversation at all. In a city where every household has strongly felt and often stated smoked meat and sauce allegiances, the varied expressions of local cinnamon roll greatness go woefully unacknowledged. At least they used to. In 2017, an article from Condé Nast Traveler made the claim that Kansas City quietly owns the cinnamon roll. The author, Kushbu Shah, passed through Kansas City and found the prevalence of cinnamon rolls on local menus astounding. I talked to her about it on the radio right after her trip. You went on a cinnamon roll tour of Kansas City. More like a cinnamon roll bender. I feel very bad for my coworker that I dragged along. But upon further investigation, I'm not sure that Kansas City owns the cinnamon roll. I'd argue that the cinnamon roll owns us. It dominates the Kansas City palate, and we don't even know it. Pillsbury Quick Cinnamon Rolls. When the rolls come piping hot from the oven, spread on the creamy, creamy icing. This winter, families across the metro and beyond are getting ready for their own Christmas morning cinnamon roll traditions. So this seems like the perfect time to honor Kansas City's obsession. Let's quickly run through just a few of the cinnamon rolls you can choose from here in town. At Neighborhood Cafe, cinnamon rolls appear at every table as a complimentary appetizer. At the historic M&M Bakery right off of 71 Highway, customers line up on the sidewalk every morning to get them baked or fried, topped with icing or plain. Rye is a James Beard award-winning restaurant that not only sells cinnamon rolls, but sells out of them most weekends. Dolce, an upscale bakery known for luxurious cakes, has updated the treat with a pop of orange zest. At Donutology in Westport, they produce a cinnamon roll bigger than my head. Black Hole Bakery on Troost and Mildred's downtown have both started making brioche-based cinnamon rolls, which I'm afraid to try for fear of becoming addicted. And one entrepreneur recently spent his kids' nap times trying to make the cinnamony treats of his dreams. He ended up launching a service called Tin Pan Cinnamon Rolls that delivers by the panful. And that list is by no means comprehensive. We're in the middle of a, an area where cinnamon rolls just remain 
very, very popular. That's Andrea Broomfield. She's a food historian. She wrote a book called Kansas City, a food biography that came out a few years ago, and she's got another one in production, Kansas City's Lost Restaurants. Andrea traces the popularity of cinnamon rolls back to a handful of individual bakers whose creations quickly became part of the daily lives of Kansas Cityans. When you talk to older people, they're, they're probably going to remember Myron Green. She's referring to Myron Green of Myron Green's Cafeteria, a famous restaurant located downtown in the 1960s. The thing that made Myron Green probably so famous was not just the cafeteria, but the bakery. And so, you know, he had his, his cafeteria downtown, and you'd walk by the outside of it, and, and it was like sheet glass windows full of baked goods. And his cinnamon rolls were incredibly popular. People who worked downtown would stop by Myron Greens for cinnamon rolls as a treat on their way to the office or on the way back home for the next morning's breakfast. It was an indulgence, but one you could get on a whim any day of the week. But the Kansas City Star was always publishing reprints of that recipe, which is what tells me that that people really had a, a love for them. Another Kansas City cinnamon roll innovator was Anna Peterson, a Swedish immigrant who owned a restaurant in Fairway in the 1950s. Her cinnamon rolls were small. If you can imagine kind of a dainty luncheon and then tea shop, everyone was eating those tiny little rolls. And she became famous for those. The opposite of Myron Green's rolls. These very different signature cinnamon rolls set the stage for a food scene where eateries accept a tacit challenge to put their own spin on this common pastry. But a significant part of Kansas City's cinnamon roll story doesn't take place in restaurants or even in Kansas City. It begins in the Midwestern farming communities where so many of this city's residents trace their origins. If you mention cinnamon rolls in Kansas City, a lot of people go straight to a bizarre-sounding food combination once served in local schools on Fridays. Chili and cinnamon rolls. I kind of anticipated you might ask me about this. It's been confusing to me ever since I started hearing about it because I didn't encounter that combo growing up. But then I grew up in the city among city folk. Andrea tells me about her husband's family to help me understand what farmers have to do with it. Vince's folks grew up in Kansas, German farmers. And, you know, so they were totally self-sustaining with the exception of needing to go into town to buy sugar and flour. But basically they're producing everything else. So you've got this family of, of probably 12 people, most of them absolutely working grueling hours from sunup to sundown. And Vince's grandmother was always creating massive amounts of food to keep them fed. And the go-tos were always chili and cinnamon rolls. The combination was practical, especially in the wintertime. These high-calorie foods fueled physical labor. They warmed people up any time of day or night. Most of the ingredients were inexpensive and shelf-stable. Beans for the chili, cinnamon sugar, flour, and yeast for the cinnamon rolls. Beef and butter were likely produced right there on the farms. So if you fill people's stomach up with bread and beans, they're not going to crave as much meat. And they're still going to think they got something that made their day better. This nostalgic tradition, chili and cinnamon rolls, migrated from farmhouse tables to school cafeterias. Andrea experienced that part of the story herself. 
everybody look forward to Friday because, I mean, first of all, you smell it the whole morning. You're just trying to get through math class <laughs> and reading. And all that you smell is this amazing cinnamon aroma. And you're so hungry by 11 o'clock, you know, you're a little kid and you're totally starved. And of course, these lunch ladies are making all of this from scratch. So we have two histories, the history of a decadent treat sold in restaurants in the city and the history of a home-baked pastry used to round out a meal and make it more hearty. The two converge at Stroud's in the cinnamon roll of my youth. Billing itself as the home of pan-fried chicken, Stroud's used to be a roadhouse-style restaurant at 85th and Troost. That's the one I remember vividly. It had sloping floors, red and white checked tablecloths, and a pianist playing ragtime and stuff while you ate. Stroud's cinnamon rolls are still served at two current locations, an old farmstead in the Northland and a strip mall in Overland Park, both delicious, neither one with sloping floors. The original owner, Helen Stroud, started the place as a raucous barbecue stand that sold fireworks and beer. She switched to fried chicken during World War II when rations made beef too expensive. Cinnamon rolls didn't enter the picture until later, after Jim Hogan bought Stroud's in 1977, along with a friend and fellow bartender. I met up with Jim this week at a park, and I brought some Stroud's cinnamon rolls along so he could demonstrate whatever he might want to demonstrate. We were at a picnic table, and I just need to say the birds were going insane during our interview. You need to know that because you will hear them too. When Jim thinks... Of Stroud's cinnamon rolls, he says there's one thing that immediately comes to mind. The lady who, who started them, B. Lewis, and that was just her recipe and that's the way she did them. Actually, she used to make them at home and give them away or sell them in her neighborhood. She lived over at 56 in Brooklyn. Jim hired B. Lewis to do some baking. She started out just making dinner rolls at home and bringing them to the restaurant. The ones she favored were porterhouse rolls, a notoriously time-consuming but delicious dinner roll that had once been a staple on American dinner tables. She made them square like that, and they were good, and people loved them. And then one day she brought some in with the cinnamon topping on them. And we're like, oh my God, <laughs> we gotta, we got to start doing those. The cinnamon rolls were an immediate hit. Customers plowed through massive quantities at their tables, even throwing temper tantrums on rare occasions when the bottomless baskets ran out. B. Lewis kept baking at home despite the volume. I mean, she was doing 5,000 rolls, 5,000 rolls in a night. It was hard work that took her from about 11 p.m. until 5 a.m. Hundreds of pans of rolls would be shuttled back and forth between her house and the restaurant throughout the week. And she didn't use a written recipe. She just knew what she was doing. When it came time for B to retire, Jim went to her basement to bake with her so that he'd know what he was doing, too. When I worked with B, it would be, Jim, that you need more flour in that dough. And I'm like, how do, how do you know? Discontinuing those signature cinnamon rolls was never an option. You know, there's lots of chicken places and, you know, I mean, just good fried chicken, you know. But it's nothing, nothing that nobody done before, but the, the cinnamon rolls are unique. And even though Jim could make those tasty Stroud cinnamon rolls at home if he wanted to, he doesn't want to. It's serious labor. Getting the dough ready to bake takes forever. I mean, she made the dough, you let it rise, you punch it down, you let it rise again, then you roll it out and cut it into squares and put it on a pan and let them rise up again. 
he seems exhausted just describing it. So even though he's retired, Jim still goes to Stroud's for his cinnamon roll fix. Once a year at Christmas, I take all my kids and grandkids. So that's especially like it'll probably be next Friday. We go for lunch. You know what? It is special. The Stroud cinnamon rolls and all the cinnamon rolls all year long for breakfast or lunch, dinner or dessert, with chili, with chicken, with or without icing, using brioche or extra spice. Maybe you're into cinnamon rolls the size of your head, or perhaps you'd prefer something smaller, but we definitely have that cinnamon roll, the one that fits your taste, your needs, or maybe just your nostalgia. Here in Kansas City, land of cinnamon rolls. That's it. Thanks for listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman. It's based on a column I write for KCUR.org that's edited by Gabe Rosenberg. Mackenzie Martin produces this podcast with music from Blue Dot Sessions, and you can subscribe wherever you generally do that kind of thing. I'm Gina Kaufman, and we'll be back next week. Take it easy.